0: Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. We are back again today, May 3rd, for an emergency episode about the fate of Roe vs. Wade. Last night, Politico broke the story that, according to a leaked draft majority opinion by Samuel Alito, that the Supreme Court is poised to overturn the federal right to an abortion. For this special episode of The Pod, I speak to Puck's newest reporter, senior political correspondent, Tara Palmieri, about the leak to Politico, what it means for November, what it means for women, and whether Democrats can do anything to stop it. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of Powers The Be. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. quote-unquote emergency pods because of the world-changing news that came out of the Supreme Court last night via Politico that the court, the highest court in the land, appears poised to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade. Uh, I'm joined now for the first time by Tara Palmieri, our—what's your title now, Tara?
1: Senior Political Correspondent.
0: Senior political correspondent, Uh, you are going to be kicking ass and taking names in Washington for us. We're very excited to have you. you. Tara's reporting will start to more formally roll out later this week. Wink, wink. (laughs) Um, But in the meantime, Tara, I want to talk to you about the news, the big breaking news. So I I think, you know, both of us turned on cable news last night and we're sort of watching the tweets and whatnot. Um, Just generally speaking, like how are both sides reacting to this in Washington?
1: Well, it's interesting. So I feel like from the right, um, those who believe that Roe versus Wade should be overturned, they're like gleeful about it. Right. But I think they're also very much aware that this, um, this isn't necessarily a popular issue with independent voters, with women in the suburbs who decide who win elections and midterms. And so I think in some ways they have focused while it energizes their base, I think in some ways they focus more on the leak and, um, So I was saying on nights like this, I watch Fox News um, because I'm just, I know what I'm going to listen to on MSNBC and I know I'm going to listen to on CNN, but I'm kind of curious about how they attack an issue like this, which is obviously would be a very big win for them. But the leak is damaging, right? If this happened out of the blue in the summer when it was supposed to, if they had put out a finalized draft, um, it would be more likely that this will become the law of the land, right? Um, So it was interesting to watch Fox News a panel of four white men, um, talking <laughs> about what exactly was happening. And of course they focused on the leak rather than the consequences for the country, women, um, the political nature of it all. They were like, this was a designed leak to make sure this doesn't happen. That's probably true, but that's not the full story. And it's just interesting to have four white dudes talk about a leak. Um, when what really happened last night was an earthquake in our political system. So, you know, after a few hours, an hour of Hannity, a little bit of Laura Ingram, I switched over um, to some other networks. But, you know, it's interesting because I had a phone call with a source earlier that day, um, like a very big Democratic bundler, huge supporter of Biden for many years, who is pretty much fed up at this point and said, like, there's just no enthusiasm right now. They're not running on anything in the midterm elections. And that's, part of the reason why the Democrats are going to get creamed, right? They feel like there's no direction from the White House. They're on the defense when dealing with crime, inflation, immigration. Um, and this, to some people, is seen as a Hail Mary at the last minute, something to run on. Um, even though the decision would obviously be made in um, in the summer, it would, it would energize the Democratic base and possibly appeal to those independent, white women voters who I call the Karens that decide elections to actually possibly come out and vote for something that's not pocketbook related.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I I know I was texting with some Democrats last night who are at least hopeful that as devastated as they are by this apparent decision, that it will give Democrats something to run against that. Maybe Republicans are overstepping on culture war issues like banning books and the Disney thing. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, those feel a little arcane, the, the Disney's thing in particular. I'm not sure that, you know, your your Karens in Franklin County, Ohio, are going to vote based on DeSantis going to war with Disney no. in Florida. But, no. um, you know, the, the flip side of that argument, though, that, that Democrats might have some culture war thing to run on here is, I mean, both of us have covered campaigns for years. Like, it feels like the single-issue abortion voter is typically, like, a Republican, you know not That's to say true. that there aren't there aren't like you know um single issue uh, abortion voters on the left it just feels like it's never been a singular motivating uh factor for democratic voters and it's like it's may this stuff could fade i was on the internet last night and i looked at, i compared like the google trends for the Supreme court versus the Met Gala and like the Met Gala was like blowing this news out of, out of the water. Wow. (laughs) And it just feels like that's another thing that the Biden administration and Democrats have to contend with, which is this like, you know, this pre Trump sort of indifference to politics, you know, Democrats, Republicans, it feels like independent voters generally are sort of tuned out politics and incremental political news. Um, So we'll see if this has like any kind of like downstream effect as, as, Democrats start to run on it. I'm just sort of dubious that this alone will be an issue that can help Democrats uh, in the fall.
1: Yeah, I think it will mobilize their base, though, um, which they were also worried would not be mobilized due to the fact that they never passed the Build Back Better and a few other issues like Obviously, both parties are obsessed with their bases, right? And, like, at the end of the day, they always like are just hopeful that the people who are kind of tuned out in the middle will just feel a gut feeling one way or another. Um And so like these kind of like seismic shifts can do a lot to really mobilize your base, which obviously can help you win elections. But it's always unclear about like how it's going how it's going to play out in the long term and affect these like independent voters that just have, like, general gut feelings about things and vote not because of what they watched on a panel on MSNBC, but maybe like some, you know, nightly news, uh, you know, package or something. Yeah. Or just
0: like a meme or like an email blast or like a text or something or or whatever's going on in their like mom group.
1: Exactly. The facts are that basically 69% of Americans, according to a recent poll, they want Roe versus Wade to be upheld. Yes. So- It's that those people, like that, I guess, 30%, how are they going to handle this, essentially? Are they even going to go out and vote in the midterms? I don't know.
0: Jennifer Agiesta, who I think she was at the AP, she's now CNN's pollster. She tweeted out a bunch of sort of, uh, she tweeted out a bunch of polls last night uh, from January outlining the political impact of of abortion. Um, One I thought was interesting was, how does abortion affect your vote for major offices? 20, only 20% said the candidate must share their views. And 60% said it's just one of several factors. And 20% said it's not a major issue. Again, that 20% who say a candidate must share your views, mm-hmm. that feels more like a Republican kind of thing. But you're right. Support for overturning Roe versus Wade, yes, 30%. No, 69%. Um, and so, you know, you know national public opinion is certainly pointing in one direction against this ruling if it comes down that way in June but you know like most things in American politics this is going to play out in various states and governor's right. races house races Senate races and and you know it feels like this will be felt more acutely in red states uh you know Texas is already uh you know pe- trying to pass or has passed a pretty restrictive abortion law Mississippi obviously the was the reason this whole thing is happening right now. And so maybe in some red states where women feel that their health is threatened, that can be more motivating to them. Um, But, you know, we live in such a polarized country that it's hard to see this, like, playing out the same way in blue states. I don't know.
1: I I also just think there's, like, it's, like, a disruption of the status quo. Yeah. And that can be scary. And, like, voters who vote based on fear alone, too, like, that can be also frightening. You know what I mean? Like, especially when we start hearing stories about, like, babies that are born unwanted and how they turn out. Like, it really all depends on how the whole, like, today is, like, the earthquake. But now we just have to see, like, how does it play out weeks later, the wreckage or what is built out of it, I think. But I think it's ultimately motivating both bases, right? I mean, it's Mm going to mobilize them. and But does that mean it's going to help one party or another? win the election. I don't know. But I do know from Democrats that I've spoke to that they have been very concerned about mobilizing their own base. Whereas I don't think Republicans are as concerned about mobilizing their base.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, the historic trend is clear here that that Democrats are, are coming in for not a very good November. But that bundle you talk to, you know, I hear that all the time. It's like, since the first six months of the Biden administration, it's like, what have you guys done? Right. You know, we what are we running on? There's nothing for us to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is certainly already making its way into into fundraising materials. And I mentioned the Met Gala thing last night again, because this was an earthquake in Washington on Twitter, on cable news. But like the NBA playoffs and the Met Gala were the thing that most people were paying attention to. Now it's up to Democrats to get this stuff into their messaging and make sure it gets out there. Uh, before November. Tara, I want to take a quick break and then I want to ask you about some of the things that are happening inside Washington right now around this. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Tara, Biden today put out a statement. First of all, he, you know, he gaggled with reporters on whatever tarmac he was on today. basically saying he was aghast at this and, you know, he would try to fight it. He put out a statement saying he was reviewing certain ways the White House might be able to take action to, you know, stop this. He certainly didn't say he wants to, like, you know, reform the Supreme Court or anything, like one of those au you know, takes during the Democratic primaries. But he's pissed about it. Um, Elizabeth Warren was just was caught by reporters leaving the Hill. And she actually, anyone listening to this, go on Twitter, go on the internet and like look up Elizabeth Warren, this video. She's like on the verge of tears. She's angry. And her and and Bernie Sanders last night put out a statement saying it's time for Congress to, to enshrine this in the law. You know, Democrats have tried this before, basically voting to pass a law to make sure that Roe v. Wade is, is the law of land (laughs) via Congress. Um, It hasn't, passed the filibuster, There's just not enough votes for it. This happened in the Obama years, same thing. Um, you know, if this majority opinion holds, it seems like it will, according to to Politico. Is there anything that like Democrats can do to s- stop it? I mean, it doesn't seem like it.
1: Mm, not really. I mean, even the codifying the law part um. You need to, like you said, there's a filibuster. They're talking about killing the filibuster for this, but they don't have the votes because I believe Joe Manchin, um, Senator Joe Manchin, is anti-abortion or not? Abor- He's like anti-abortion rights. I think is, is how he puts it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they wouldn't have 50 votes to to nuke the filibuster to make this a law. And who's to say you would even vote to codify it? And also, I don't think uh, Senator Collins or Murkowski would vote to turn it into a law. Um, so. Really, what can happen is that, you know, Roe wave's overturned. Maybe the Republicans, when they win the House and the, maybe the Senate, most likely the Senate, in the midterms, they can actually, they can create a law banning abortion federally, right? But then mm-hmm. the president can veto it as well. So it's kind of like this thing where basically every state can just decide the rules on abortion, essentially will be what happens. So I don't know that anything will happen federally, at least not during this presidency, but say we still have a Republican House, Senate, Trump wins 2024. Abortion is banned everywhere. Um, but until then, it's going to be like a free for all for the states to decide essentially. And there'll be tons of court battles. It'll be a legal mess. Like it'll, you know, all you're going to hear about is abortion forever, basically from this point forward, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, Adam, our genius producer, just texted us and said that Manchin is definitely not in favor of abandoning the filibuster to to codify abortion rights. Perfect. So there you go. Very on brand for Joe Manchin. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, Biden. Biden's statement is like it, it. he put out a one, two, three, four, five paragraph statement this morning, you know, condemning this apparent majority opinion but there's you know and he says I directed my gender policy counsel and the white house counsel's office to prepare options for an administration response to the continued attack on abortion and reproductive rights under a variety of possible outcomes in the cases pending before the Supreme Court we'll be ready when any ruling is issued so you know come june if this happens there might be some executive orders or lawsuits he can instruct the DOJ to pursue around this stuff but you're exactly right this is this is going to just be a very long, dramatic legal fight over the years. It's unclear if they can do more to the point, anything to stop this particular ruling. Um, and Biden is also like an institutionalist. Like he, you know, when he was asked about this on the on the tarmac today, he like, partly because he's just old and nostalgic, was like, you know why? This is why I fought Robert Bork back in the day. Like <laughs> he believes that you make, that the government makes decisions based on elections and the government rules by institutions and he doesn't favor sort of undercutting those things generally, which is one reason the left is so pissed at him all the time. And so, you know, and this is partly directed to all my college friends who are Democrats who were texting me this, like, like, no, there's not a lot of stuff you can do here. And this fight will fall back to the states. And, you know, just just to close up, like I want to reiterate what based on what we we're talking about earlier, like, will this help Democrats? Will this help Republicans? Like neither of us really know. Right what everyone listening to this podcast is listening to is like two reporters just sort of riffing. I mean, these are the conversations that people have in D.C. like every day. Right. And it is groundbreaking in the sense that it's been almost 50 years since Roe v. Wade. So the left hasn't had to deal with this in an oppositional way for 50 years. So we kind of don't know how it's going to play out. It's obviously been a galvanizing issue for for Republicans and anti-abortion activists for generations now. And we'll see if if Democrats um, absorb that energy and and can use it to their political advantage too.
1: Right. I mean, I'll just, to put a point on it, the thing that really, like, we talk about it from, like, the political standpoint because we are political animals, right? Um, and we're telling you what D.C. is talking about, which is a political animal itself. So I would say, though, like, the one thing that, like, I think about, and actually it's like a visceral feeling. It's like, this is going to affect so many poor women. Like this is a real thing that will affect women who live in states where Rovers, when Rovers' Wade is overturned and their state does not allow abortion in the past six weeks. And what are they going to do? It's not the wealthy women that can cross for, cross to another state. It's going to affect the people who are our most vulnerable. And it's just like, that is the thing that I think may get kind of... Lost in the conversation. And I think more stories about how it will impact actual people is maybe what will motivate ultimately.
0: When conversations about this stuff become academic, it, it is a real symptom of a sort of bubble dwelling, college educated. I have a salary in healthcare and work for a news organization. And I, right. I, you know, I'm not a working person living in Texas who has to drive. 1000 miles to go to another state because my governor passed a law and I can't afford necessarily even gas money let alone taking a day off and like that's the sort or of or the
1: abortion itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, these are the things that like yeah. you know, we are embodying this sort of political reporter take-meister thing right now, but I mean, that's something I believe in that these stories need to be told through the eyes of people living in these states because the Washington conversation is extremely narrow. And I think you're exactly right.
1: And it's also like such a deeply personal thing. Like how many women are really going to stand up and say, I need to get an abortion or I had an abortion and tell those really deeply personal experiences of being desperate because of a life situation. Like that's not in any way (laughs) glamorous. It might be one of the hardest decisions of their lives. And maybe they don't want to publicize it, but truly that's what it comes down to It's like a very difficult moment in a woman's life. And to, to understand that it takes a lot of courage for women to share that story
0: ultimately I do feel like network news actually sometimes does a good job of like like spending the money to send reporters to places to tell like human stories and give voice mm-hmm. to people outside of the beltway and I think all all media needs to think first about the on the ground real world impacts of of this and what will happen um and not just revert to the political pundit panel which um a format that should be burned to the ground. Anyway, um, Tara, welcome to Puck. Glad you, to have Peter. you. So Thanks happy to have you colleagues on our first... again. So Peter
1: I know and I both started at CNN. That's right. CNN. Yep. Back in
0: the day. <laughs> Me, you and Dylan actually Dylan had did his tour of duty at CNN also. Oh. Um Puck <laughs> is full of former TV journalists who now feel unshackled. Um, <laughs>
1: all
0: right, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Bye.